Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends, and when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. So my guest today, Courtney Shiabudin, is a badass, and I say that with so much love and admiration. I'm pretty sure she does more in one day than I do in a week, and she still actually finds time to sit down and read real books. She's actually got me reading again because she recommended these super hot books, but that's that's a whole nother topic. Professionally, she's a doctorally prepared, board-certified adult, okay, I'm going to mess up this word, gerontology primary care nurse practitioner with over 11 years as a nursing professional. She serves as a mentor, a keynote speaker, an advocate for young women with breast cancer, an educator, and a social media leader. So follow her on social media right now at NP Courtney. You will not regret it. But she's also a brand ambassador for a company called Careware, which we're going to talk about later, a young advocate for living beyond breast cancer, and an assistant professor of clinical nursing at the Ohio State University, plus a wife and mother young boys. So I, I just the bio just makes me tired. And every time I see her online, she's happy and perky and positive. And so I'm so excited. Courtney, thank you so much for being here today with us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I, I literally, I'm fairly certain I found you by stalking my friends on social media, which I find is the most fun way to really connect with the community lately. And you are a pro at that. So we'll get into more of that later. But there's so much I want to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started. And I kind of gave a brief synopsis of, of your overall who what you are, but what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, well, you caught me on a, a good day. Uh, on Tuesdays, I am on campus at Ohio State. Um, I teach a class in the morning to our nurse practitioner students who are I guess we just had our last class of the semester this morning. So they are officially, well, almost one semester away from graduation after finals. Uh, they're very excited. Um, as I can imagine, I mean, as you can imagine, they would be, right? Um, and so I was on campus teaching this morning, um, lecturing on heart failure and all cardiac things. Um, and now I'm here talking to you about breast cancer and advocacy and the work that I've had an opportunity to do since I became a member of the community last year. Um, and then, you know, I, I have my kiddos. Um, I have a, a three and a half year old. I have two boys. So I have a three and a half year old who is in that like really awful three year, three, three, major, three, three is three so major. much harder than two. Everyone's oh like, oh, terrible. God, they don't tell you. Three, no. three is a motherfucker. <laughs> oh my God. It's like they're little crazy demons. terrorist demons. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my God. They're awful. And, and I, I feel like when you get to four, there's like this flip that switches and mm-hmm. switch that flips cancer brain. Um, <laughs> and, and then they become like decent human beings again, but three and a half is like, yeah, the, but my three and a half year old is the same size as my almost seven year old. Okay. So he's, you know, when he's, when he throws himself on the floor in public and you have to like pick him up to not look like, right. You're like, I swear he's woman. only three. Yeah. And, and he, he weighs 41 pounds and he wears mm-hmm. youth clothing. <laughs> like, I swear he's three. Oh, he's, um, t- he's tall. Like you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, but he's just ornery. It's that, it's a <laughs> tough age. And so, so he's home. Um, and then my almost seven-year-old is in first grade and he was like a, a COVID kindergartner essentially. Mm-hmm. So this is really his first year in school. And, you know, there's all the adjustments of what that, yeah. you know, it's like, you have to go into a classroom and be with your peers and listen to your teacher. And <laughs> it's not your mom sitting at a computer saying, read this, you know? Um, so it's just, it's adjustments all around, but so there's the professional life, there's uh, mom life at home. There's the advocacy work that I do. And then as you mentioned earlier, um, there's the social media that I do 
kind of with all of those platforms, right? I talk mm-hmm. about, um, I'm, I'm on Instagram at np.courtney. Um, and I'd love for you to come say hi. And I talk there about, you know, my work as a nurse, a nurse practitioner, an educator, a mom, um, a breast cancer survivor, and kind of what it's like to be the provider and the patient and, you know, how to advocate for yourself and, um, you know, just this morning I had a, f- a friend of mine who I know in real life, um, who had her first mammogram and it was abnormal. Mm. And so they're bringing her back for, um, more imaging. And so she, you know, she's like, I haven't even told my mom yet. And, and I'm coming to you because I, I just, I need to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so many women, since I've shared my own story, um, have, have reached out to me in that regard, just because, you know, I've been through it. I understand it. And I understand a little bit more because I'm also a healthcare provider. And I know what Mm -hmm. that, you know, I know how to interpret diagnostic imaging. And, and so it, it, I think positions me uniquely within the community. Oh, definitely. Um, And, and I, I love being able to assist in that regard just because it's such a scary time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been there. I've been there. um, My mom's been there multiple times. It's just, um, it's, it's, there's so much uncertainty and there, even once you get a diagnosis, like knowing what's going to come next or what to expect, you know, there's this, um, you know, like, congratulations, you have cancer and then you wait how long until you get to see somebody to know, you know, what, what that means for your life. And then you just kind of spiral out of control. Um, And that's really what happened to me when I was diagnosed. And I had this six week, six week waiting period during which time crap during, so I was diagnosed in February of 2020. And then I was six weeks until I saw my oncologist. And during that time, the pandemic happened. And uh, then, you know, I'm watching the news and I'm seeing like people with stage four breast cancer in New York at Sloan Kettering and the, you know, their chemo centers are getting shut down. And I'm like, am I going to like, what does, I don't even know what my treatment's going to look like. Is it going to be canceled? Am I going to, you know, so there's just that, that it's like all a very much, I say, um, hurry up and wait, mm-hmm. you know, like hurry up and get all your testing done. And then you have cancer and now we wait. Um, and wow. I, I must've been super lucky because I literally, my first diagnosis, I got on a Friday and I saw my oncologist on Tuesday. Oh my gosh. You're so lucky. And, and it, you know, I don't know if it would have been that way if I, I wanted a specific oncologist. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps I would have been able to have been seen earlier. Should I not have wanted that specific physician? But I, I don't know the answer to that. I was just, that was a really traumatic period for me. Oh, 100%. And because we've talked previously, I know that cancer started early in your world. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, um, so my mother is a three-time breast cancer survivor. And so um, it's been a part of my life since I was in sixth grade. Uh, And I found a lump when I was 24 years old, um, went to my gynecologist who, because of my family history, my mom had only been my mom had been diagnosed for the second time at that point. Okay. Because of my family history, they were, you know, not going to sit on that. So I went for mammogram and the radiologist said, you know, the the thing that you felt I'm not concerned about, but there's this other thing um, that I am concerned about that I couldn't feel. And so we went for a biopsy and it turned out to be a benign fibroadenoma, but which was great. And, Mm -hmm. And we surveilled it. But at that time, um, they sent me to a surgeon just to have somebody look at me and put their hands on me and examine me. And she really strongly suggested that I enroll in a high risk surveillance program. So what does that, what does that entail? The high risk program? So, um, not, I don't know if everywhere has it, it's been, there's been different derivations of it in the different places that I've lived. Um, when I lived in New York city, it involved, uh, me following up with her twice a year, six months apart and having mammograms and then ultrasounds. And then I moved to Oklahoma City and they had an actual um, high risk surveillance program. And that involved um, an annual MRI and a mammogram space six months apart. So you got some type of imaging every six months. And then you would follow up with the, um, their high risk physician who would do a physical exam. And so, you know, the whole time I was in Oklahoma, I went through a pregnancy um, at that time. None of my imaging was ever abnormal. Um, 
which was great. And then when we relocated to Columbus in 2018, I was pregnant again. And so that was the first thing that I, you know, other than I established OB and I got myself in the high risk program. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, those are the big things for me. And, and so, because I was pregnant, we did an ultrasound just to get kind of baseline imaging and everything was fine. Um, I had my MRIs after, after I gave birth and my mammograms and nothing was ever abnormal until February of 2020. And I went in and I had my MRI and then, so usually you go for your MRI, at least where I am. Um, and then, you know, you get dressed and you go and see the high risk doctor. And usually they're like super fast. There's Mm -hmm. no waiting, you know, by the time you get from, you know, one building to the other, you see the doctor, they, the radiologist who's sitting there waiting for your images has read them and they give you the all clear. They do an exam and they send you on your way. We'll see you in six months. I waited an hour and a half. So um, you knew, you knew that there was the point, something going on in there. Uh, well, to the point where I went up to the, the receptionist and I was like, did they, for-? like, I was in the waiting room. I wasn't mm-hmm. even in the room. Did they forget about me? And the nurse came out and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see that you were checked in blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, well, maybe they did forget me. Um, And so then I'm waiting and the doctor comes in and she, you know, she says, Courtney, your imaging is grossly abnormal. Um, And I, I was like, well, what does that mean? Literally like the blood, the blood rushes out of your body. You feel like you're going to pass out and vomit. Yes. Mm -hmm. What What does that mean? And she said, well, there's a mass in your right breast uh, that wasn't there on your mammogram six months ago. Uh, that's about two centimeters in size. And it has a significant area of enhancement around it that was not there on your previous MRI. And then she said, there's a, a real large area of enhancement in your left breast. And so um, she says, I want to send you over to ultrasound after I do an exam. So she does an exam mm-hmm. and she doesn't feel anything. Uh, and so they send me over to ultrasound and they position me so that I can't really see the screen mm-hmm. because, you know, being the healthcare provider, you, that I you am, know exactly I, what to look for. So I can't see anything and they don't say anything. And then, you know, they send you back to the doctor and, and she says, well, you know, so they did like both sides looking for something. So mm-hmm. she said, you know, we're able to visualize the mass on the right side. And I want to schedule you for an ultrasound guided biopsy. And she said, but you know, there's this enhancement and we don't, we don't know what it is. And so, you know, there's no mass on your left side. So we want to do an MRI guided biopsy. And so I'm like, oh, okay. What does that, what does that mean? I, I don't know how you do an MRI guided biopsy, right? So mm-hmm. um, they couldn't do them at the same time. And I think this was part of the reason why I was delayed. So I found okay. out on a Thursday, I think, or a Tuesday, something like that. It was midweek. Mm-hmm. Um, and they scheduled me for the ultrasound biopsy the following Monday, but they couldn't get me in to do the MRI biopsy for another two weeks. Okay. Um, so I go for the ultrasound biopsy. And because of the way that they had to position the radiologist, him and I were both looking at the screen. Mm-hmm in front of us and the tech put the probe on my uh, breast, on my right breast. And I saw the tumor pop up and Mm -hmm. I had a vasovagal syncope episode. Um, And I woke up with like my feet in the air and just passed out. I knew like I passed out. Okay. I I was like, what what is that big word? Okay. (laughs) I I looked at the tumor. Um, I saw that it was, it was just, you know, with my previous fibroadenoma, it was, well circumscribed. So like perfectly round, mm-hmm. it was dark in the middle, which they call hyperechoic, meaning it was filled with fluid and it didn't ha- had real smooth borders. And it, it just looked like a perfect little oval. Yep. I've had, this I have thing, had those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this thing was like gray and white, and it looked like it had tentacles that were, you know, pushing up and down. And it just, it was like angry, mm. bad looking invasive. It was yeah. invasive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think, you know, my heart rate shot up, my blood pressure went way down because I panicked yep. and I passed out and, you know, they kept saying, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, we won't know anything. And so, and I knew, yeah, I knew um, I left the room after they finished the biopsy. I told my husband that I had breast cancer. My mm-hmm. husband is a physician. And so he was like, you know, the, let's, let's wait and see. And I was like, no, 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 it's, it's like, malignant. Mm-hmm. And then they called me three days later while I was uh, at on campus teaching an advanced health assessment lab. Um, of and course. They, you know, right in the middle. So I'm like sitting on the table with my cell phone next to me, demonstrating an assessment technique, like helping the students. My phone rings and I see like OSU Med Center pop up. And I was like, oh, shit. 
So I leave the room and, and the NP from the high risk program is like, are you, you know, are you sitting down? Like, can you talk? And I'm like, oh, like just tell what, me and get it over with. What <laughs> is it? And so she says, well, the biopsy showed uh, invasive lobular carcinoma. And I didn't hear anything after that, you know, um, right. lost my mind. I'm sitting in like the lobby of the university and there's students everywhere and a tear crying. Um, and so it was just, that was really difficult. And then they said, you know, because we, because we know this is, is cancerous, you have this significant area of enhancement surrounding your tumor. We want to do an MRI guided biopsy on that side too. So I ended up the following mm. week having to have two more biopsies. Yeah. And those MRI biopsies are not fun. I don't know. No, if I, I have. Yes. It's, they're, it's yeah, no. they're not fun. Not, I mean, really nothing about this process is fun, but that yeah. one is particularly not fun. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And when they say that, when people, you know, I have patients that come in and they're like, yeah, we have to have that. And like, how is it? I'm like, well, you know, it's just try to relax and, you know, you trust in your, you trust in your practitioners and um, yeah. I, the nurse actually, I remember um, was in with me and hold when I was in yeah. there because like, otherwise you just need that human connection for someone to yeah. hold on to. It was, it was long. Um, mm-hmm. And then afterwards, the radiologist showed me the images and, um, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. MRIs are a whole different, it, yeah. you know, um, then he's like trying to be kind because he knows that I'm a healthcare provider and like show me the things. And it ended up coming back both sides, lobular carcinoma in situ, um, which it, unlike ductal carcinoma in situ, lobular carcinoma in situ is a pre-malignancy. Mm-hmm. So it was ended up being um, surrounding my tumor on the right was a pre-malignant area. And then more than 50% of my breast tissue on the left was lobular carcinoma in situ. So it was uh, my only surgical options were a bilateral mastectomy, which was um, what I had planned on doing anyway. Uh, having seen my mom go through breast cancer three times, I didn't want to ever have to do it more than once. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, being told that that's your only option versus being able to choose that is a totally different animal. 100% understand. We do need to take a quick break, but please say this. Remember, listeners out there, you can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back with Courtney in a minute. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is N.P. Courtney. Courtney Shiabudin. There we go. I knew I was going to mess it up at some point. We've been talking about her cancer journey while being a healthcare professional and being an advocate and how important it is to really keep it real and get the information out there for others as they go through their journey. And it's so important. So 
Courtney, before break, we were just finishing up talking about what you went through treatment wise. And you basically said that a bilateral mastectomy was your only option. Um, let's kind of talk about how your treatment was, what, what you went through and how are you now? Yeah, sure. So, um, like I said, the, when I met with my surgical oncologist, he, he looked at my images and he said, you know, listen, I, there's no way that I could remove this precancerous tissue. Um, you know, we're certainly not going to leave it because we know that you already have cancer and it's just a matter of time, um, especially with your family history. And so, you know, there's no way that I could remove all of the precancerous tissue on that left side without making you grossly deformed. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh no, no. (laughs) Like, I don't want any tissue left. Like I've seen my mom go through this three times. I'm not, not, you know, the ironic thing was I was diagnosed in February of 2020, but I had a a consult scheduled for April of 2020 for a prophylactic double mastectomy. Um, I just, I just never made it that far. Um, so, so double mastectomy was, was my choice. It was what I was going to do. I kind of just felt like the wind was taken out of my sails because I lost the power to make that choice for myself, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, Even though you were already working on making that choice when someone else tells you, this is what you have to do. You're like, God damn it. It's cancer takes so much of our control and it's really hard, especially for you. I can tell who's a very A type personality. Like your life is (laughs) scheduled and you've got everything. You you have control of everything. And one thing cancer has taught me is there is no such thing as control. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. And my husband, you know, didn't understand why I was so deflated mm-hmm. after that appointment. He's like, you were going to do that anyway. I was like, yes, but it was going to be my choice. It was yeah. going to be my choice to say, take my breasts. It was going to be my choice to say, we're done having children. It was going to be my, you know, it was all of these things were taken from me without my consent, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really hard to process through. Um, but I did, you know, I did. And, and, um, I didn't meet my, my oncolo- my medical oncologist until a few weeks afterwards, we had scheduled the surgery. I had met with the reconstructive surgeon and they were going to do the double mastectomy. And then the reconstructive surgeon was going to put expanders in mm-hmm. at the same time. So I would wake up with expanders with the plan to, um, you know, fill the expanders to the desired size and then do mm-hmm. a, a exchange surgery. Yep. So when I met with my medical oncologist for the first time, it was March 31st. Um, and the pandemic was in full swing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they were they were expecting this thing called the peak, which we now know is like laughable. Delta and Omicron. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so they were expecting this in, in mid-April, and my mastectomies were scheduled for April 16th. And so mm. I'm driving into my apart my uh, appointment and my phone rings. I pull I'm pulling into the breast center, my phone rings, and it's like OSU Medical Center. I'm like, oh shit. I answer the phone and it's my surgeon telling me that he really doesn't think it's a good idea for me to have the surgery at the projected peak of the pandemic. Mm. Um and so he thinks, you know, I know that you're going to see your oncologist today and your surgery, you know, your cancer is, is estrogen, progesterone positive. So I think the best thing to do is just to put you on tamoxifen. And then I'm using air quotes here for those. Mm-hmm. Of you. And then we'll just do your surgery when this whole pandemic thing is over. Um, no. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, excuse, what? Excuse me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and. Yeah. I can't even, it was, yeah, it was just ridiculous. Um, and I cried and then I walked into my oncologist's office and I told her what he said and we had never met before. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she was just like, excuse me. She excused herself from the room (laughs) Thursday. She excused herself from the room. She was gone about 10 minutes. She came back in and she said, uh, your surgery is on Monday. God, I love her. (laughs) Right. Uh, I was just like, what a shit. Who does that? You know, like, yeah, that's, I, I understand. I mean, I, I understand a bit of the mentality behind it. You know, we're safe or not in hospitals. It's ear peer positive, which is the quote unquote best cancer to have, but still to tell a woman that we're going to wait till this, who the hell knows when this pandemic is going to be over to have your surgery. And now it's almost two goddamn years later. Um, Excuse me. I do have a gutter mouth, but it's just, it's oh, thank God for her and thank God for her. 
Yeah. Nicole Williams, if you're in Columbus and need an oncologist, <laughs> she's amazing. Um, oh. Yeah. So it was, that was just, um, it was kind of a whirlwind. I, I've had six surgeries since April of 2020. It's been a lot um, mm-hmm. for my body, for my family, um, for, you know, yeah. Surgeons. <laughs> uh-huh. You got me yeah. beat. I only had four in the process yeah. of my second one. So, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken <laughs> dinner. I had uh, two emergency surgeries, one because I was bleeding internally <sighs> and uh, the other because they thought I was bleeding internally, but I wasn't. Okay. So obviously you're doing well now. Um, yes. you, you've been through it, but how, I mean, you're, you literally finished treatment, not a year, a year ago, if that with, yeah. you know, and obviously still having some surgeries, what made you want to go in and become this, this advocate and this yeah. social, you know, and finding the the companies like CareWare and the, um, God, the young living, living beyond breast cancer. Thank yeah. you. What, what made you want to do that? Cause you're obviously, it's not like you had free time. No. <laughs> well, you know, I, so I think if you, if you go back to what I said about how, um, when they told me that I was having a double mastectomy and my husband was like, well, why are you upset? You were going to do that anyway. Um, we did not process my diagnosis in any of the same ways. I, I'm like you said, very type A. I need things to be organized and scheduled. And um, the way that I process things is with discussion, with with talking it out. And mm-hmm. my husband is very much the opposite. Uh, he wants all the facts and then he'll look at it and he'll make a decision and that's the way it's going to be. And there's no discussion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so they say opposites attract. I mean, so, you know, I was in this like, what if stage, you know, they diagnosed me, we didn't know, you know, all I knew was I had invasive lobular carcinoma, I didn't know the staging, I didn't know if there was lymph node involvement, I didn't know if I would need chemo or radiation, or, you know, all, all I knew I was, is that I was going to lose my, I didn't know anything that came afterwards. And my kid, my, my youngest was, um, almost two. So he was Mm -hmm. still one. Um, and you know, my husband is an ER physician and there was a freaking pandemic. So like, I couldn't count on him for anything. Um, because it wasn't like he could schedule any time off. They were like (laughs) all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I didn't have, you know, the, the caregiver support that I could need if I needed Mm -hmm. to go through chemo and, you know, all of the things. Um, and we don't have any family in the Columbus area, uh, and my parents were on a world cruise for their 50th anniversary and they were stuck in Asia. Oh my gosh. Home. So it was like there, I was in, in panic mode. I didn't know how to, to manage my racing thoughts. And mm-hmm. so the thing that I, you know, I, I talked to him and I said, listen, I have to, I have to get this off my chest. I can't talk to you about it. So I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'm, how are you comfortable if I post this on social media? I think it would help me process it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, he was like, don't you think that it's worth waiting until we know what the plan is? And I was like, I, I am, I, I can't wait. I, I need to get this out unraveling. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was really in a, I mean, I was very depressed I was having panic attacks while driving. I mean, sobbing Mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, I'm type A, but I'm not like, I'm an, I'm an anxious person, but not like a panic attack, Mm -hmm. um, like lose control type of person. And that's where I was. Uh, And I I felt like I couldn't be the mother that I needed to be. Like I couldn't take, I could barely take care of myself, let alone take care of my kids, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I felt that this would be a really good therapeutic way for me to be able to get it off my chest that would allow me to kind of see it at a 360 and and figure out how to process it. And so that's what I did. I shared it. Um, and I found from you know, like an overwhelming support from people mm-hmm. that I knew, from people that I didn't know. And then I found community with other young women because I didn't know anybody. I was 35. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know a single person in their thirties who had breast cancer. It's, you know, it's very different than being, you know, in your fifties or Mm -hmm. older, like my mom was, you know, and, and those are all the people that I knew they were all like, 
menopausal women. And it's very, very different when you're still in your childbearing years. And you you have young children at home, you have a, you have a profession, you're not retired. And unfortunately the statistics show that more and more younger women are being diagnosed and they're being diagnosed with more aggressive strains and triple negative. And it's a scary thing. So it's really so important to have that sense of community out there that you found because we need that support and we're not, we're not, you know, 70, 80 going through this. We're living a whole different lifestyle while also trying to deal with breast cancer. And so, and so I found that, that talking about it was really therapeutic, um, for not only for myself, but it was therapeutic for other people. And people were reaching out to me saying, you know, I could never discuss it openly like you do, but hearing you talk about it and seeing you go through it is giving me strength to do it myself. And that was, you know, any, that was what I needed that gave me strength and Mm -hmm. that, reaffirmed the purpose that I felt in sharing it. Um, and I, I connected with a few people who had been, um, involved with living beyond breast cancer. And they suggested that because of my media presence, because I had a large social media following, um, and the fact that I was a provider and now a patient that Mm -hmm. I could really, you know, give a unique perspective and, and share my voice. And they encouraged me to apply for the young advocate program with living beyond breast cancer, which I did. And I, um, I finished up serving my term, my one year term in September of this year. Um, and, and through that, I've just had so many other opportunities to connect with members of the community and organizations. Um, and it's been exceedingly fulfilling for me on a personal level. Yeah, I completely understand the need to share. And I did mine through writing. Um, and now I, I love to speak. I'm, I'm not as savvy as on social media. I want to get there, but literally, I don't know how you find the time. <laughs> um, but how did you how did you find Careware as part of this process and yeah. become an ambassador for them? So they actually found me um, after my exchange. They found me in advance of my exchange surgery um, through social media. Mm-hmm. And they sent me a message saying, you know, we have this product. It's called a, a recovery bra. And we'd love to, you know, we know you, you have surgery coming up and we would love to send you a bra to try. Would you be interested? And so they sent me this bra. And it's really great um, in that, you know, it, it's designed for post-op. Um, mm-hmm. the best thing about it is that it has little pockets on the sides where your drains can go, because mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know who decides where the drains go, but they always come out right, right where your bra is. Yep. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the most, the most, for me, the most painful part of mastectomy recovery was the freaking drains because oh, I didn't God, yes. feel any, like my breasts were, you know, there was no nerves there anymore. So I didn't mm-hmm. feel anything, but the drains, man. And then, you know, you can't take the bra off. You have to stay in the bra for like two plus weeks and the drains are there and those bands of the bra are pressing on the drain exits. And so their bra has these little holes for the drains tubes to pass through. And it was just, it made things so much more comfortable. And I posted a picture about it, said, thank you for the bra, changed my, my Mm -hmm. whole recovery. And they asked me, you know, they invited me to be an ambassador and kind of share, share about my experience um, with that. And so that's kind of what I've done. I've shared about how it, it really made recovery so much easier for me. That's awesome. And I know they do have some other products. Can you quickly tell us about those two? So they have um, pick line covers uh, for people who have pick lines. They have drain access, uh, port access shirts. So they have, you know, so you don't have to take your clothes off when you're going in for infusions. You just unzip it and fold it down and you can access your port. And so it um, maintains your modesty, I would say, Mm -hmm. and your, you know, ability to your strength that you don't have to disrobe um, and other products like that. Yeah, I've been, I follow them on social media too. And the pictures they show are really amazing, especially for like the port shirts where you just like flip it down and then Mm -hmm. flip it back up. And I love that. But um, when we get back, I want to talk a lot about more about your social media presence and the things you're promoting. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute with um, NP.Courtney. We'll be back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. 
please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest today is Courtney Shiabudin. You can find her at np.courtney on Instagram and her website and all of the things. She's amazing. So go follow her now. Um, Courtney, you are so active on social media, and that's obviously how I found you talking about careware and nursing in general and breast cancer. And why do you think this is so important as being an advocate, just being a part of social media where we are now in the world? Um, You know, I think that social media, at least in the last, what, what are we in 19, 20 months um, Mm -hmm. has been the way that we've all stayed connected when everything has shut down. It's given us an eye to know that, you know, we're not alone in the things that we're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if we're going through all different types of things, whether it be illness or just, you know, life at home with kids that make you want to pull your freaking hair out because (laughs) they're they're insane. Um, Don't do that because you have beautiful hair. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not speaking from experience here at all. Right. Um, (laughs) I love my family, but literally my husband and my son were gone for a week before Thanksgiving. I was home for five days by myself. Oh my God. Literally. I, it was, it was amazing. It must've been been incredible. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, But so, so to answer your question, I think that, um, you know, you hear, you see the news and you see all these, you know, harmful effects of social media, but I think it really depends upon how you approach it mm-hmm. and, you know, what you share. Um, and I'm not trying to depict life as sunshine and butterflies. Hell, I mean, my, my presence, it, you know, really became known when I was talking about cancer and having my breasts removed and, and, and all of the hardships that go with that, like mm-hmm. body dysmorphia and, and learning to love yourself and look in the mirror and recognize yourself again, because, I mean, when that's really hard and then, yeah. you know, finally recognizing yourself and then having another surgery and waking up and not recognizing yourself again and, you know, and going through all of that, you know, is my partner going to find me attractive now that my breasts are gone and I have scars everywhere. And, you know, like when my, I get out of the shower and my three-year-old ran into the bathroom and asked me why, like what happened to my boobies. And then I have Mm -hmm. to explain to him that, you know, they were gone. And then my, my six-year-old walks into kindergarten last year (laughs) and announces that his mom had her breasts cut off and all the kids freak out. You know, it's just, it's not sunshine and butterflies. And, and that's, who I am and what I share. And yes, I do manage a lot of things, but I I do not do it by myself. I have a full-time nanny who helps me with my kids and I teach in a team and I have colleagues that support me and my husband and I are very much partners and we, you know, check our schedules because he's working nights and evenings and, you know, weekends and holidays. So it's not traditional in any means, you know, Um, but it's beautiful. And I think it's important that people see that there are unconventional ways to do things that are still okay. And that, you know, not everybody is a size two with, um, you know, perfect perky breasts and and no cellulite and, you know, angel children and <laughs> a pinup husband. And, you know, like that's not real life. No. Um, 
And I think it's very easy when you think that way to feel alone and, uh, you know, fall into this depression despair cycle. And so I think the more people, the more women go out there and, and show the real, real, the real life, the real hardships, the real difficulties, mm-hmm. I think the more we can help change that narrative. 100% life is not unicorns and rainbows and especially being cancer survivors. Like we know that and oh, yes. <laughs> being able to show other women out there, like who are just going through and you are not alone. It's, it is really empowerful and very inspiring. And I love what you just mentioned. You are so body positive and you have so many beautiful photos of yourself and other, other women who have real size bodies, mm-hmm. which, and especially after cancer that, like you said, there is so much body dysmorphia and weight issues. And, but I love the fact, and you you are a beautiful woman, but you're not a size two. And it's, it's like, doesn't matter. Like I am out there and I rock and it's, it's so important to be able to share that with, with others, because like you, you're gorgeous, but you're not a size two and who cares? And you own it. And I love that. (laughs) I mean, I have to give my husband credit because it, it was hard for me. You know, I've had, like I said, six surgeries, I've had uh, three sets of implants and six surgeries. And so I feel like my body has, has gone up and down and sideways and who knows what, And, you know, finding, looking in the mirror and not only recognizing myself, but feeling attractive, Mm -hmm. um, it was not easy. It's definitely not easy. But having mm -hmm. your partner say, you know, you're beautiful. I love you no matter what you look like. I, you know, I, I look at you and I don't see scars. I see the woman I fell in love with, Mm -hmm. um, that has been so incredible through all of this. And, and I, I couldn't do it without him. So Bashar, thank you. Props to the hubs. Yeah. Um, and that actually leads me to my next thing that I wanted to talk about. You take so many fun pictures with your top off. <laughs> and I love that. Like you before the hall, before the holidays or before Halloween, you had pumpkins in front of your breasts and yeah. just you and your <laughs> jeans. And then there's other ones where you have like um, your, your breasts are covered over these big eyes and it's like, there's a face on you. And um, I'm, I'm guessing this is just really to catch the attention. So people read what's the content in the posts. Right. And, and, you know, I, um, if, if this has really taught me anything, it's the, you know, do what, what can we do to control this, right? What can we do as women, as humans with breast tissue to reduce our risk or catch something early? And honestly, despite the fact that the U.S. Preventative Task Force recommends against it, um, I don't know any gynecologist that would recommend against breast self-exams. Um, you know your body better than anybody and if you know if you get to know your body if you feel your breasts and i i use the the thing to help me remember feel it on the first the yep. first of every month mm-hmm. you do a breast self exam um you get to know your own body and so you know if something changes and so i've used my platform to feel it on the first mm-hmm. and i educate about on the first of every month how to perform a breast self exam, what that looks like, what's normal, what's abnormal and the importance of it, because, you know, it's what we're seeing is more and more young women Mm -hmm. being affected by breast cancer. And we don't start mammograms until the age of 40, um, 45 recommended now it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for, you know, the reason for that is because young women tend to have dense breast tissue and mammograms can't see through dense breast tissue. And so from a, you know, from the standpoint of where is the biggest bang for your buck in terms of, you know, when are we going to be performing the screening test where it's actually going to be effective? I understand that logic of waiting until later, but there needs to be something for younger women, right? And that's really mm-hmm. ultrasound. And we're not at the point where we're doing screening ultrasounds just because the technology is not really there yet or MRIs, but MRIs are highly sensitive. And so mm-hmm. if you don't have a family history, if you don't have that, um, that thing that puts you at risk, then, you know, are, is it worth spending all this money blanketly for women in their late twenties or early thirties for everybody to get an MRI, just to look at their breasts that they may know. So there's, I don't know what the right answer there Mm -hmm. is, but if you feel something, 
then you say something regardless of your age. And then Mm -hmm. you get some type of imaging to see, you know, is there something there? And if so, what am I feeling? And is it a problem? And let's follow it. And that's the goal, you know? Um, And I can't tell you how many people have, have messaged me and said, you know, I've been putting off my mammogram, but seeing your post today made me call and schedule it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if I, if I change one person's life, then, then that's one person who's gotten their screening who may not have otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I do it. That's why I take my top off with catchy (laughs) photos, you know, Mm -hmm. and honestly, you know, it's a really delicate line because I am a professor, right? So Mm -hmm. the things that I, you know, the things that I share, I have to be careful about. So they have to be tasteful, but at the same time I'm promoting, you know, I'm not taking my top off just to take my top off. No, I'm taking my top off to promote, you know, to say I am a breast cancer survivor and here is how, you know, here's how you can do something that's medically relevant and, um, prescribed, you know, I'm, I, as the nurse practitioner, I'm telling you to do this for yourself mm-hmm. you know, to prevent disease. Um, and no one from my job has said anything. Maybe hopefully they, they won't, um, because I have one for every month. It's like a calendar. <laughs> um, and tomorrow you'll see me there on December mm-hmm. 1st with giant Christmas ornaments. And Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> So get excited. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's the way that I have decided to get my message across and it is catchy Mm -hmm. and it does stop people in their scroll and it does get them to read. And, and I do, I do get the messages that, you know, I Mm -hmm. saw your post. I did my exam today. Thank you. Yeah. One of my, I want. Yeah. One of my favorite campaigns um, that I've seen is the know your lemons. Oh, where I they, love them. Yes. I where love they, know your lemons. they give the, the egg carton full of 12 different lemons and show all of the different things that could be affecting your breasts. Like, okay, look, look out for this, look out for that. And it's so damn catchy and it's really easy to remember. Um, they partnered, I'm sure you saw with crumble cookies last month. Um, and I'm like, okay, cookies and know your lemons. Like it, it's the perfect combination. <laughs> But yeah. um, one I thing cookies. I know I, I try to not go there too many times a month. <laughs> I do check the flavors. I'm like, Ooh, that one sounds good. Um, I want to jump back to one thing we talked about earlier yeah. was connecting with your body because it is so important after, especially after cancer, like before, like we're pretty comfortable with hopefully with what we've got and we know, you know, it all works and we use it. And then after cancer, so many things have changed. We've got scars. Things don't move the same way. We don't have, if you've had the, um, a lumpectomy, you know, you can lose some feeling, but if you've had the mastectomy, you generally lose all feeling in your breast. What are your words of wisdom in coming back and connecting with your body? How, how should someone go about that? If they're really struggling? I think, um, you have to see yourself and I, you know, I struggled with, um, neuropathy in my arm. I had bilateral sentinel node biopsies. So they biopsied Mm -hmm. lymph nodes under both of my arms when they did my mastectomy. And, you know, when they do that, there's a ton of nerves in Mm -hmm. in your armpits. And so it messed, it messed with the nerves. And so I, for a long time, I mean, I still do have pain all down my right arm occasionally. Um, and I, I struggled with how to remedy that, um, that didn't involve high doses of nerve pain medications. Mm-hmm. And my surgeon said, you know, you have to feel, you have to feel your body. You have to look in the mirror and touch your body, run your fingers along your arm, take a washcloth, run the washcloth around your arm and look at yourself and retrain your brain to know that that type of touch should not be painful, right? That, Running a smooth, soft washcloth should not elicit pain and retrain your body, but you have to do it by looking at yourself in the mirror. And I had been so ashamed of how I looked that I didn't see myself, right? I avoided Mm -hmm. mirrors. I I never walked around without a top on, Um, but that forced me to do it. And it forced me to look at myself Mm -hmm. and having to do that every single day to treat my pain help to treat kind of the emotional scars that mm-hmm. I had developed from losing the thing that, you know, makes you really feminine, your breasts yeah. and, um, 
And that really helped me. And, you know, that between that and, and my husband, just mm-hmm. the words of affirmation and telling me that no matter what happened to my body, he loved me and I was beautiful and he would always love me and think I was beautiful, um, you know, really helped. But I think being able to look in the mirror and um, recognize myself took time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, there's no magic solution. There's just acceptance. Um, and with acceptance, I think you can find self-love. And we really need to, like you said, just look in the mirror and realize, okay, my body is strong. My body has got me through this. And while it may be different, this is the body that I have. And I'm going to love this body because this is what I've got. And it's, it's so important just to really change your mentality on that. And gosh, we are almost out of time, but I know, um, how do you find Careware on social media and give us your website again, because I know you have fun merch and t-shirts and all that. So please oh, give yeah. us those, give us those web addresses really quick. Cause then we got to wrap yeah. it up. So Karen, where is care and where? like A-N-D, careandwear.com. And then if you go to npcourtney.com, which is my website, I have a discount code with them. So you can go to discount codes and then it will link you directly there. And I think it's 15 or 20% off. Um, And on my website, npcourtney.com, you can also find my merch. I have great shirts for survivors um, and I have some nurse practitioner resources there as well. Awesome. Courtney, thank you so much for being here today. You're such a joy. And I, I love just seeing your posts every day because they make me smile. So listeners go out and follow her, go check out Karen Ware, and um, you will not be disappointed. So if you or a loved one need our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to four, four, one, four, 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 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. You can find our show on many platforms on voice America health and wellness channel, or search breast friends, wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest or to share your warrior story, please email me at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.